We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast preview. This is uh, week seven. As usual, we are sponsored by FanDuel. I am Scott Jenstead, joined again by Vlad Sedler. Uh, if you could please please rate or review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, if you enjoy us uh, listening to us and have uh, got some good plays from us, we would greatly appreciate it if you took a, took a few minutes to rate or review the podcast. Those are those reviews are very important uh, to the podcast overall. Other than that, uh, Vladdy, how are you this week? Uh, week seven, it feels like uh, feels like it's going fast. It's going too fast, unfortunately. Uh, but that's always the case with football. Usually, you know, you're in the fantasy playoffs before you know it. But, uh, you know, other than that, I'm doing well. Um, obviously got the Dodgers uh, potentially facing the Yankees in the ultimate World Series matchup. I would absolutely love it. Obviously would be happy if it's the Astros. But you think, uh, you think the TV networks are fired up about that one? Oh, man. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that, uh, you know, you were sweating with me a little bit with the the, the week six lineup. Uh, I had one beast of a lineup that had uh, McKinnon and Ingram and also had the Arizona passing stack. And you remember, I, I wasn't looking at the live scoring when uh, Fitzgerald scored for me, uh, then Deshaun Jackson and John Brown. And I'm like, man, I'm cruising. You know, it was like a. A nice little GPP. I was up there in, in the top 10 overall. Um, was going to pay nice five digits. And then Antonio Brown happened. Got that fluke uh, touchdown there. Um, another 150-plus yard game. Guy is just a, just a monster. And I just don't know when I will ever learn not to, uh, to continue fading the guy like that. I know. But, I mean, that was such a bad decision by Ben. That was a bad play by the corner. It falls right in his hands. The other, the other DB doesn't tackle him. I mean, it's just... Such a fluky, brutal play. But when you get when you get ten targets every week and you're that good, I guess uh, you know stuff uh, stuff happens. He he's so good. He tends to I uh, tend to turn uh, crazy things into good plays. But uh, I was watching the game in the airport, texting with you, uh, rooting for you in the Arizona stack. Not being able to watch games, I actually was at the Saints uh, Lions game on Sunday, which was a absolutely bonkers game. But uh, so I didn't see the Sunday afternoon uh, games. But I was I was texting with rooting for you. But uh, I find myself getting more fired up when uh, you know one of my friends is doing well than than me doing well myself. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- funny how that works. 
Well, I mean, this slate looks beautiful. Um, you know, obviously we're gonna we're gonna run through it. Um, this Sunday night matchup is just going to be absolutely insane, and uh, you know, can't wait to discuss it. Yeah, the, the NFL's bonkers right now. I mean, uh, you know, Survivor Leagues are almost over for most people. Uh, nine underdogs won straight up last week. It's uh, it's wild with parity right now. It's tough to figure out winners week to week. Uh, I'm glad I'm playing DFS, not not betting on games, because I'd be doing very poorly. It's it's almost impossible to figure out what's going on. But uh, a couple of guys I want to talk about uh, just to kind of wrap up week six, uh, Terrell Pryor. Uh, you know, I kind of I kind of went ride or die on him last week. He was one of my he was one of my bad calls. I had a lot of good receiver calls last week, but Terrell Pryor against the Niners, such a great matchup against their cornerbacks. Uh, what do you do with Terrell Pryor going forward? Both in you know, if uh, obviously from a season long aspect, but DFS. I mean, are you playing this guy anymore? What what do we do with this guy? I mean, I know he's not on this slate, but uh, he's a frustrating guy that was taken in the round three of most drafts. Yeah, I mean the the price keeps sinking, and uh, you know the problem is is. You know, obviously Cousins had a great matchup last week. Both you and I uh, recommended him, uh, but we did like uh, both Pryor and Crowder out of the bye. And uh, you know, of course, you know uh, Samaje Perine crossed over the uh, P Ryan crossed over the goal line. Chris Thompson had another monster game. And you know, the people that were talking last week about playing naked Cousins, um, naked of course meaning without any receiver running back. And by the way, do not Google that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, a lot of times it seems like the play because it's just one of those teams like, you know, New England or uh, Arizona where there are just so many weapons. It's really tough to predict week to week. And if you just want to have a little bit of exposure, you know, to to Washington in a good game like, you know, they happen to have this Monday against a not so great Philly uh, Eagles secondary. Uh, you know, I mean, if you don't want to go with, uh, you know, a little Cousins Thompson action, um, it's really tough to predict. And then, of course, you know how it goes. Um, the week that everybody skips off on prior, he goes off for 120 and two touchdowns, and then everyone chases him the next week, and he has a dud. That's sort of the nature of the game, and basically we just need a, to be able to stay ahead of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for me because he was someone that I really liked preseason. I really think that he's just a, a freak of an athlete. Um, I, I really liked uh, him coming into the season, especially being paired up with Cousins out of Cleveland. But uh, I'm uh, the, the patience for me is waning pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if if I had to play him this week on a slate. I don't think I would, but uh, maybe if he, I'm going to watch that game against the Eagles. If he looks good, maybe play him for next week. But uh, let's get on to this week. Uh, the week seven buys. Uh, we have the Detroit Lions on by and the Houston Texans on by. Only two teams on by this week, so we have a pretty pretty full slate to get to. So let's uh, get let's get right to it. Um, first of all, we're going to go to the uh, Tennessee Titans. I am actually in Nashville at the moment, so I guess that's my home team for the day. Uh, go, uh, playing against the uh, Cleveland Browns, the uh, the mighty 0-6 Cleveland Browns. Uh, I imagine you like Tennessee in this game as much as I do, huh? I do, and I believe it's uh, back to rookie Deshaun Kaiser, the oh. interception machine. So, um, yeah, Cody Kessler is going to be the backup. I think Kevin Hogan is a little dinged up. Um uh, it's funny because Hogan was the uh, the uh, all-in cash play over on other sites, um, and everybody was in on him. And uh, people that were wise enough to sort of pivot off of him and still have a lot of those offensive pieces like the Ingrams and McKinnons of the world, they did really well, but those Hogan teams suffered a little bit. Um, yeah, in this matchup specifically, I mean, you know, for the Titans, it's a little bit of a tough matchup uh, against uh, Cleveland's number three DVOA run defense. We know that DeMarco Murray is uh, dealing with, a, with with the same hamstring injury that actually bothered him all the way back in training camp. Uh, we saw De, what Derrick Henry did and what he's capable of. Um, he's he's particularly interesting, especially in a game with uh, probably some positive game flow. Um, somebody I'd consider for GPPs. 
And then uh, just as far as the passing game goes, I mean, Rashard Matthews is probably going to get some of that Jason McCourty treatment. Um, Jason McCourty was ranked as the number one uh, pro football focused cornerback uh, prior to last week's matchup against Hopkins. People that went all in on Hopkins were disappointed because McCourty did shut him down. Um, How do you see things playing out here in terms of uh, anyone you're interested in in terms of the pass or the run for the Titans? Yeah, I uh, if if Demarco Murray doesn't play, I, I like Derrick Henry. But if Demarco Murray plays, I just I think I'm gonna stay away. I just don't. Uh, I just hate the split carries. You know, last week Murray played 38 snaps. Henry played 40. Uh, Henry did have 19 carries to Murray's 12. But Henry didn't do anything until that last garbage run. And you know he had a 72 yard run to end the game. But it kind of was garbage. The you know all the whole team was up on the line. And he just kind of busted through. And he probably should have got just fallen down. Um, to end the game, but he went for the touchdown. So he wasn't great up until then. I think I'm more interested in the passing game. I thought Marcus Mariota looked good. Uh, he was 23 at 32 for 306 yards. Uh, the issue with him, though, is he's clearly not running. He had one play where he kind of rolled left and had maybe 10 yards to run and just kind of slid down. I think he's still protecting that hamstring. So it, it does limit his upside. The guy that I do like, though, is Eric Decker. Uh, he's 5,100 on FanDuel. He looked really good on Monday night. Nine targets, seven catches for 88 yards. Uh, he had six targets the week before. Mariota was really looking his way. And the Cleveland Browns' safeties suck. I mean, I know you mentioned McCourty, who's good, but their safeties are bad really susceptible to the big play. Um, I think Decker gets uh, gets over the top for a play and also catches a bunch of balls underneath. Yeah, I mean, Decker finally had a decent game. I mean, he, he had been a uh, season-long bust until that date, but seven catches, 88 yards, like you mentioned. Um, a decent matchup against uh, Brian B- Body Calhoun. Uh, we saw Taiwan Taylor actually step up since, uh, you know, Corey Davis is out. And Taiwan Taylor, for people playing the primetime slate, he was the uh, the low percentage play, had that long uh, touchdown reception. He gets a matchup with Jamar Taylor this week, which I think is definitely a beatable one, um, just a matter of how many snaps he plays and if Corey Davis is uh, back for this game. Um, the spot I like the best, actually, is Delaney Walker and somebody who I think will probably be somewhat of a popular cash game play. Uh, just simply given the Browns' woes against tight ends this year, I mean, they've given more Fanduel points, uh, 15.2 to be exact, to the position, uh, more so than any other team. And so, um, yeah, I mean, definitely interested in a little Delaney. I could see Eric Decker working out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, really no reason to attack with the uh, with the run. I think the pass is the way to go if you want some exposure to the Titans. Any interest in the in the Tennessee defense? Uh, they're not good. They haven't been good. But uh, Kaiser gets sacked. He turns it over a lot. Uh, the Browns have six turnovers the last two weeks. Uh, Tennessee's 4,800. I don't think I'm going to play them. I don't like to play strictly a, a bad defense because of a good matchup. But uh, with Kaiser back there, I tell you what, the turnovers could, could come could come heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility, but I think having other teams like the Minnesota Vikings really underpriced going at home, at home against Joe Flacco, um, I would, you know, eight times out of 10, rather go that route. Um, yeah. What about Cleveland for you? Anyone you're interested on that side? You know, not really. If I had to play somebody on Cleveland, I think it would be Duke Johnson, just strictly a, a low salary guy. He's 5,500. I mean, he gets a lot of targets. If they're down in this game, uh, he'd get a lot of uh, a lot of plays out of the backfield. He had five targets last week, but also ran the ball five times for 40 yards. So, he, you know, he shows some he shows some burst, but, you know, he, he just it's tough to play him. But he had 190 yards uh, receiving the three weeks before last. He kind of struggled last week with only three catches for, I think, minus one yard. But nobody else uh, nobody else on offense I really want. If I had to go somebody, I'm looking for kind of a dirt cheap salary. I might go Duke Johnson and hope the game script works out for me. Exactly. And I think game script probably will go the way that you are uh, – uh, 
mentioning it. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, especially because Isaiah Curl is such a bust and the fact that uh, they pretty much don't really have a wide receiver out there anymore. I mean, you know, Higgins has actually Rashad Higgins, Mr. Hollywood Higgins has less catches in his last four games than he did in week two alone. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Duke Johnson and David Njoku are the only good players on that offense. Um, obviously, Njoku uh, was a big disappointment last week. Uh, just two catches for zero yards since one of them went negative. Um, I, I bet you he uh, he pops in with a score. Uh, just not necessarily a way I want to go, but obviously he is pretty cheap. And in salary, if I'm looking at anybody in Cleveland, it's going to be Duke Johnson. Yeah, I think there's too many other tight ends, including Delaney Walker, that I like this week to go with Njoku. Um, moving on to the next game, we can't talk about the Browns that much. Uh, Jacksonville uh, moves to Indianapolis, uh, playing in uh, a road game here. Uh, Leonard Fournette's obviously the big the big story here. He had that right angle ankle injury. Uh, he's nine thousand on Fanduel. You know, not much else to say about Fournette. He's just been awesome. Um, it's just a matter of whether whether he plays or not. They do sound positive he's going to play, but uh, obviously he didn't practice today, so you have to check those injury reports before you decide on him. And at nine thousand, you're going to want him to be fully healthy. He still scored every week. All the last two weeks were kind of built on one huge play both times, but he's been a monster all year. There's not much negative you can say about uh, about Fournette. Uh, are you paying the nine thousand this week? Probably not this week, and I want to have a little bit more information um, as we get closer. I want to make sure that he is fully healthy. Um, just worth noting that the Colts, uh, who supposedly had, uh, you know, their strength was supposed to be their uh, the run defense. They're actually tied with the Rams now for the most rushing touchdowns allowed. Uh, eight basically on the year uh they looked sloppy on that play to to, to, to derrick henry last week um obviously fournette is in play here um so yeah i mean outside of that you know jaguar side of the ball marquise lee was um either limited or not at practice on wednesday i think he should be fine um actually even though he started his career slowly and uh, missed a good chunk of it to start he's been really consistent being in uh playing in every game um going back to last year um, if I if he is healthy and there is one piece, if I had to make a decision between him and Hearns, I think Lee is the is the main guy I'd consider. Had ten targets last week. Um, think he's a lot more uh, a lot more in play for me. And then also the Jackson uh, Jacksonville defense, um, someone I'd also consider. Obviously a little on the pricey side, but I think they're always in play. Um, and then Blake Bortles is usually a no for me. Just about every week. This week is no different. Yeah, you mentioned the guy that I really like in this game. That's Marquise Lee at 5,600. Um, the Colts secondary just isn't good. There's no way around that. Uh, they allowed 218 yards to three Tennessee wide receivers last week. They allowed 210 yards to Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin the week before that. So they're getting torched, and they're getting torched by receivers who aren't that great. You know, Aside from Pierre Garçon in that mix, you're not looking at a lot of uh, superstars there. Um, so I like Marquise Lee. 5,600, I think he fits really nicely. allows you to get some of those um, Falcons and Patriots from the Sunday night game into your lineup. Uh, I think Lee's a guy that I'm going to have on, on, on a bunch of lineups. Nice. I like that. Uh, yeah. And, and on the Colts side of the ball, and honestly, it's just tough sledding for the pass game uh, here for uh, facing the league's number one DVOA pass defense. That trio of uh, Ramsey, Bouye and Colvin is just incredible. Um, not a place I want to trot out a guy like Hilton or, or even Moncrief uh, and really no interest in Brissett. Uh, you know, if, if if there's any piece of this Colts offense I want, and it will probably be in a tournament, um, it'd probably be a guy like Marlon Mack. I, sorry, not a guy like Marlon Mack. Let me use proper English. Marlon Mack. <laughs> um, I think he's just – it was an absolute joke how Pagano didn't use him last week. Uh, he gained 22 yards in his first carry and then only had one more carry the rest of the game. 
Um, I thought maybe that because he was dealing with a minor elbow injury the previous week, maybe they took it easy on him or maybe Pagano's just stupid. Like, I, I don't know what the heck's going on there. Um, Marlon Mack should be more involved in this offense. And um, obviously, I'd like to see it, but I also like to stay on top of things. So I think I might have some exposure. Yeah, I usually like T.Y. Hilton when everybody's off him, but I just can't do it this week against the Jacksonville secondary. Um, I think I'm just I'm just thinking a full pass on the on the Annapolis offense this week. Uh, bad news for them this week. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck had a setback with his with his elbow uh, or his shoulder, or whatever his throwing arm. It's uh, mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett the rest of the way. Uh, kind of crazy how the Andrew Luck thing has swung from maybe missing a week or two to maybe being done for the year now. Yeah, more brisket, uh, more Brissett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I like it. I like the kid. So I think we're I think we're a no go in the indie offense. Uh, moving to the mm-hmm. next next game, a uh, kind of an interesting game. We have Baltimore at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's fair by five and a half. Over under this game only thirty nine and a half. As you can see, we've got a lot of low over unders this week. It's a, it's a it's a low scoring week, especially on the early slate. Um, from from the Baltimore side, not much I like. Uh, Buck Allen's a guy that can only be played really when Baltimore has a lead. And with a, as a five and a half point underdog, I don't want any part of that. I guess the only guy I might look at is Alex Collins this week at fifty eight hundred. Uh, is there anybody on on the Ravens side that you're interested in? No, not really. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know if we can trust Buck Allen simply because Alex Collins has been very efficient in, in eating into his snaps and, and, and splitting time. And, you know, one of the top yards per carry guy this season, um, really no one else there. I mean, you might see some word this week about maybe uh, Mike Wallace, uh, you know, going with this revenge game angle um, because he played one season for the Vikings. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's not revenge. So anybody looking for that angle, um, stay away from it. Yeah. So let's talk about the Vikings. Uh, the most interesting guy on that offense right now is Jarek McKinnon, really playing well. He's still splitting carries with Latavius Murray, but he's clearly the superior talent. I don't think anybody that's watched the last two games can think anything, but he's he's clearly a better player than Latavius Murray is. Uh, he was sixteen. Uh, he was sixteen for sixty nine in touchdown last week, rushing. Also five catches for thirty yards and a touchdown receiving. Played really well the last two weeks. He has twelve targets the last two weeks. My only concern on him is he does rely on big plays. He's one of those guys that I think he's a GPP guy. When he hits that big play, he's going to have a nice week. When he doesn't, he could uh, he could struggle a little bit. He needs to hit that big one. Uh, where do you fall on McKinnon this week? He's kind of mid-priced at 7000 uh, Home game against the Ravens. What say you? I mean, it's just a matter of the price has really, really gone up. And you mentioned the bit, you know, the, the, the reliance on the big play. He's clearly the better back than Latavius Murray. Uh, it's, you know, the fact that he's priced up now at, uh, 7,000, uh, in the range of guys like Mark Ingram and CJ Anderson and, and Jay Ajayi, uh, who I all, you know, all guys that I like makes him a really tough one for me, but I think there's some potential cash game plays here in this game. Uh, you know, Thielen, obviously he's been, 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 been a machine, at least eight targets in each of his last four games, had 13 targets last week, catching nine balls for 97 yards. I think he's in play. Uh, especially if Diggs is out and uh, even more so uh, Kyle Rudolph, who's been really much more involved with uh, Diggs missing last game and, and being really not in the mix in the first game when the injury first occurred. And Rudolph's got nine targets in each of his last two games. So for me, Rudolph, Thielen, Minnesota defense, uh, I'm interested in those three plays from this game. Yeah, I like uh, I like those also. Rudolph's kind of become the security blanket when Diggs is out. You know, Diggs is always the security blanket in that offense. With him out, they've kind of moved a little bit to Rudolph and Thielen's more the uh, more the big play guy. I, I like Minnesota D the most of any of these plays. They're only forty seven hundred. Um, they had four sacks and three picks last week against Green Bay. Granted, that was uh, you know not Aaron Rodgers for the last three quarters, but still a good game. They had six sacks their last home game against the Lions. Um, Chicago defense of all D's played really well against the against the Ravens last week. They had three sacks. 
and three turnovers and a touchdown in them last week. Uh, I think Minnesota at 4,700 is probably going to be high percentage and, and mm-hmm. a real prime play at home against Joe Flacco. I'm with it. Uh, let's jump to the Jets in Miami. Uh, how, how do you expect this game to flow out? You've got a, another low uh, Vegas total, 38 and a half at the moment. Miami favored by three. Uh, you know, personally, I'm kind of feeling a big week for Ajayi. Uh, he looked really good last week. He is facing the 25th ranked rush DVO, DVOA defense um, that has actually actually also seen the fourth most rush attempts through six weeks, and that includes a bye week that they had. Uh, Ajayi did get stuffed last time that he played the Jets, just uh, 16 r- rushing yards on 11 carries. That was in week two, um, you know, but the Jets took a hold of that game early and really they had to pass more than usual. Um, you know, Ajayi did have a nice game against the Jets last year in week eight, 111 yards on 24 carries. I think it's a really good matchup uh, for him, especially coming off that big uh, game where he had 26 carries for 130 yards last week. Yeah, I like that they're finally focusing on volume with Ajayi. They figured, you know, he's their best player. You got to get in the ball. He has 51 carries last two weeks. He had 23 carries the two weeks before that. Um, the Jets' run has improved. You know, after they're being thrashed a little bit early, they, they've gotten a little better. Fournette had only Fournette's the only guy with over 60 yards on them in the last four weeks. But uh, if you put Gillisley and Deion Lewis together last year, last week, they were 21 for 96 with a touchdown. So, uh, you know, a little misleading that no rushers gone over the yards when Gillisley and Dion kind of split carries. Uh, I like Ajayi, too, 7,400. Uh, I, uh, I think it's a good matchup. Should be a good game flow with Miami as, as a favorite in this game. Over and only 38 and a half. There's not too much like in this game. What do you do on the other side with your boy Austin Safarian Jenkins? I don't think I can talk rationally about this dude anymore. No, no. I know you don't really <laughs> like him. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he – what I like is especially the, his uh, interview after the game uh, showing a little bit more maturity. Um, that's good. You know, the guy's just getting older. He is on a team that seems to value him and a team that doesn't have a lot of talent on offense. And so, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, clearly somebody that Josh McCown is looking at, uh, but he's priced up there. I mean, he is up to 5,900. When you're dropping down to Gronk, you're looking at Brait, uh, Safarian Jenkins and Delaney Walker as the next priced options. And, He's just, he's just a tough play for me this week against the Miami defense that is solid against tight ends. And with the fact that there are some games that I want to target, like the Sunday night game, uh, like the Dallas Cowboys offense, where I'm going to have to pay up, in which case I'm having to look for some bargains at tight end. And that just really doesn't really uh, fit into my plan uh, this week, uh, paying up for tight end. Yeah, I'm torn on him. You know, I, I think I don't think he's very good. He's really inefficient. He had eight catches for 46 yards. But you've got to look at this from a fantasy angle, not from a football mm-hmm. angle. He had a touchdown. He should have had two touchdowns. He got robbed in the second touchdown. 11 targets. He has 19 targets over the last two weeks. Uh, I agree with you on the price, though. At 5,900, uh, you know, suddenly he's not that bargain anymore. But I tell you what, if they're going to throw the ball to him 11 times every week, he's tough to get away from. But uh, I think I want to see – I'd like to see a little bit of explosiveness. I just don't think he can make any big plays. He relies so much on the on the touchdown in the red zone. Uh, hard for me to play, pay for him, especially in an over under 38, going to be a low scoring game. I think I'm probably going to avoid him. I hope no, hope he doesn't burn me like he did last week. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. I went back and, and just took, took a look at how the, you know, the, obviously this is expected to be a slow paced game, a low scoring game. Um, but actually these two teams have gone over the total in three of their last four meetings with an average combined score of 49 points. Um, so you never know. It could get a little sloppy. Uh, you know, obviously the way to beat and hang with Miami is really through the air where they're ranking 28th against the run and, and, and second, uh, I'm sorry, 28th against the pass and second against the run. And right. so for me, 
not really wanting any part of that. Those running backs there with Powell, Forte, McGuire. I'm not even sure Powell's healthy and good to go this week. Uh, pass game is interesting, though. You've got McCown, who uh, did have the big monster game um, last week. Of course, it was a matchup with New England where people could throw for yards at ease. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, Curse, Jermaine Curse is uh, clearly the smarter, better route runner, more efficient guy than Robbie Anderson. Anderson, more sort of like your GPP threat. Um, st- in, in this specific matchup, Curse will probably stick mostly stick to his right side mostly. Where he'll probably do battle with Xavier Howard, and that's the dude that gave up a forty-yard bomb to the Falcons' Monty Hall last week. I mean Marvin <laughs> Hall, sorry, Monty, sorry. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching. I was at the Saints game, and they put highlights of the Falcons game up, and I saw Ryan throw the ball deep, and I was so excited. Then I realized uh-huh. that Marv- Marvin Hall caught the pass. Yeah, who? Gross. Gross. That's enough of this game. What do we got next? Well, uh, real quick, before we get to the next game, a, a quick read from our sponsor, uh, FanDuel.com. Fancy football fans, football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fancy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week, no busted seasons. It's a big deal this year, especially with Odell Beckham, David Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. Aaron Rodgers out for the out for the year. It's uh, It's been a crazy amount of high star injury uh, injuries this year. FanDuel is the perfect spot to play to avoid that. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1, going all the way up to as much as you want to play. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Uh, you know, always a good experience on FanDuel. I enjoyed it this week. I went to the Saints game, so I uh, I plugged in some Saints and Lions. Watching Golden Tate score a touchdown for me in person uh, in FanDuel is always a lot of fun. So if you're going to a game and you want to stack, uh, you want to stack that game, make it a little more fun, FanDuel is the perfect way to do that. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. So moving on to the next game, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is minus three as of right now, but there's a, a lot of books have no line in this game because Jameis Winston is questionable. No over-under set yet. Um, starting on the Tampa side, uh, how do you feel about Jameis? Do you think he's going to play? Do you think we're looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, how, do we, how do we start with this Tampa Bay team right now? Uh, I know that Winston was not throwing in practice, at least to the part that was uh, you know visible to the press and the public. Um, but either way, it's a tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, Fitzpatrick did look serviceable last game last week, but Buffalo is the third-ranked pass defense so far on the year. Um, you know, that said, Mike Evans does have, and to me, th- these things matter, a seven-inch height advantage on EJ Gaines, who will li- likely be in primary coverage against him. And uh, I think he's the one guy I would consider paying up for if I wanted a piece of this um, p- piece of this offense. More so probably for GPPs, just because I don't think this game is necessarily going to be that high scoring. Um, Cameron Braid is is obviously pretty interesting and awesome. Um, leads all tight ends in touchdowns since the beginning of last year. Uh, he's just, I think, one or two ahead of Hunter Henry. And now has a touchdown in four straight games. The only thing is now his price is up, up to 6.2K, uh, the second most expensive guy behind Gronk. And, uh, you know possibly somebody I'd consider, but the way that I'm constructing this week, I don't think I'm going to be in on break. Got to admit, it's pretty cool. If uh, Fitzpatrick plays, you have Harvard to Harvard with from, from Fitzpatrick to break. 
Yep, exactly. And we've got an Iowa connection later on that we'll talk about. We do. We'll sure do. We, will, very well. we will definitely talk about that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bright's in an amazing stretch right now. You know, touchdown in four straight games, at least 68 yards in each of his last three games, 17 targets the last two weeks. And it was funny because Jameis went out, and I was a little worried that maybe Bright would be forgotten. You know, Jameis hit him for a big play early in the game. But, and you know, Fitzpatrick went right to him. He threw the touchdown to him. And he, uh, he had a bunch of targets from Fitz. So, uh, you know, kind of didn't fall off at all. And it looks like, uh, you know, Evans kind of the, the big receiver. D. Jackson the big play guy and Brate's kind of the you know the underneath guy making a lot of big plays making a lot of good plays scoring every week um 6200 against the Buffalo D I think I'm probably a fade on him too but uh I tell you what it's tough to go away from him right now but I I think I'm gonna look elsewhere at tight end and I just want to point out this is the first time in four podcasts that you actually said D-Jax as opposed to D-Jack I'm I'm trying to fix it if I and luckily there's no Raiders game so I can't (laughs) I can't say David Carr (laughs) that's right um yeah, and you know, also, uh, what what do you think about Doug Martin? Um, obviously, he's got a touchdown in in his first two games back. Uh, hasn't topped the 15 carry mark. Um, is, is this somebody for the price because he is um, well priced in this one? And I do think you know Buffalo can be run on. Is this somebody that you would consider at all? Um, I looked at him a little bit, and I like Doug Martin as a player. I like watching him play. I just don't think the volume's there enough for me right now to to jump mm-hmm. to him. Um, you know, going in a road game going to be a low over-under once it comes out. Uh, I think there's probably other running backs I like more. Uh, maybe a sneaky GPP kind of guy, but uh, I think that I'm just going to go elsewhere. What about the Bills side of the ball? Um, I'm fairly sure it sort of popped out to me. I mean, obviously, when people are looking at you know the, the following week's matchups and they, you know, at this point are looking to see, hey, who's the quarterback that's facing uh, New England or the quarterback that's facing uh, the the Bucks, and in this case, uh, someone like Tyrod Taylor coming off the bye, uh, probably going to be the uh, sort of de facto chalk guy over at DK, um, and should garner his fair percent, uh, fair ownership share on Fanduel as well. Only seven K facing the league's second worst pass defense, and they're only one of only two teams that have allowed three hundred that are averaging allowing three hundred passing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. My only problem is who the heck is Tyrod going to throw the ball to? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty contrarian on this one. I think that if Tyrod Taylor's the highest um, percentage guy or a chalk guy, I'm going to be definitely against the field in this one. Uh, the Tampa Bay pass D sucks. There's no way around that. Every every quarterback's top 283 yards against them. They're going to have 10 touchdowns passing. But I just don't think Tyrod has enough weapons right now to really be a, be a GPP tournament type of guy and put up enough points. He hasn't even thrown for 225 yards yet once this season. He's only, he only has six touchdowns in four weeks. That includes running the ball, too. He's not running the ball well, either. He has 28 yards rushing total the last three weeks. I just don't like how Tyrod's playing without Charles Clay. Um, you know, obviously, Sammy Watkins got traded. Uh, Jordan Matthews might be back this week. But I just don't think he has enough weapons to put up the type of game in a GPP that I need for my quarterback in order to win a bunch of money. And I think that's a really important point uh, there that you make because a lot of times I feel like you know people start reading things and and you're seeing a lot of similarities uh, you know on a lot of websites and a lot of people on Twitter just sort of mentioning the same guy and and a lot of times for people it just something sort of gets locked into your head as a, as fact and it's like okay. Well, Tyrod's going to be the chalk. You know, is this really something that I, uh, you know, is this something perhaps I may want to fade? And when you look in deeper into the situation, like you just pointed out, this looks like a good scenario for that. Again, on FanDuel, I don't think he'll be the chalk. I think he will be so more on other sites where he's cheaper. Um, But I think he will garner his fair share, at least be a top five guy, especially if Jordan Matthews is back in this game. Yeah, I just wish he was running the ball a little more. You know, that's so much of his value comes from running the ball, throwing in those rushing touchdowns. You know, we're six points right there. 
I just uh, that that under thirty yards rushing last three weeks really stuck out to me. He's uh, he looks like a different guy right now. He does not look good to me. Six touchdowns in four weeks is just really rough. What about the rest of that uh, that Buffalo offense? You know, somebody's going to have to put up some points against the Tampa Bay defense. Um, what about Lashawn McCoy this week? Down to seventy nine hundred. He's really struggled since week one when he killed the Jets. He's been really bad since then. Sixty five carries for one hundred sixty nine yards since then. I mean, that's a gigantic ouch right there. That's a horrible yards per carry. If you play in any kind of league with uh, where average matters, you're getting killed right there what uh what do you do with mccoy this week uh what i do i'm gonna play him all right uh, his i like press price yeah his, his depressed price at 7900 um you know a week of rest from the buy i mean obviously you know when you're looking at how uh, uh performances um after a bye week a lot of times if you really sort of dig in or, or read some of the articles um a lot of times it seems to uh affect actually negatively affect some of the wide receivers um you know, just over the last couple of years, but you know, that's for a whole different pod, but McCoy's just long overdue for a touchdown. He's got none on the year. Um, they really don't really have any other weapons there. Um, you know, if, if, if say Jones scores two touchdowns, so be it. He's not going to be on my, my teams this week, but somebody like McCoy, I think it's probably the cheapest we're going to see him all year. Um, you know, obviously that line has, has really struggled a little bit and people just know, you know, who's coming at him. They know that it's either Tyrod scrambling or, you know, especially with no Charles Clay in the mix, that really kind of hurts things. Um, what about for you uh, with everybody with, you know, with Tampa Bay's defense essentially keying in on McCoy? Do you think this is an opportunity where you can beat them and perhaps get into the end zone finally? Um, I think so. Uh, you know, Adrian Peterson torched them last week. I mean, all people, 26 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Quan Alexander, that middle linebacker, will be back this week, which is a big, big score for Tampa Bay. They need him badly. They've missed him a lot this season. Uh, the thing I like with McCoy is you've got that built-in, the, the the backup, if they get behind, he still catches a lot of passes. He had nine targets last week, caught six balls, only 26 yards, but you're getting points for those catches. Uh, I think McCoy's interesting this week. I think he kind of falls through the cracks a little bit. At 7,900, uh, you know, he's still expensive enough where people aren't going to jump right on him right away. Uh, the other guy I like in this offense, actually, is at 4,500, tight end Nick O'Leary. Uh, Tyrod clearly likes his tight ends. He was feeding Charles Clay in a big way. And then the first game that O'Leary played since Clay got hurt, he had six targets, five catches, 54 yards uh, when Clay was out in week five before the bye. I think he's a nice cheap play this week. You know, if you need to uh, you need to pay up to get uh, get those Sunday night games in, Sunday night guys in, uh, 4,500 for Nick O'Leary. I think he has a pretty decent floor. I think he gets at least six to eight targets. Yeah, and I think my one concern was, uh, you know, uh, an injury. But it, last I read uh, from three hours ago, he is ready for action. And I think for that reason alone, the fact that he's min salary, um, you know, he's he's definitely in play. So I like that one. Yeah, I think I want a piece of the Buffalo uh, offense just because the, the Tampa Bay defense is struggling so badly. But I think it's going to be away from Tyrod for me. I think I'll have some McCoy and then some O'Leary where, where I need some money. Any of the receivers interest you at all? Nope, not at all. Yeah, me either. All right. All right, moving to the next game, we have uh, Carolina visiting Chicago. Another over-under that's under 40. It's at 38.5. Carolina's favored by three points. Uh, so Cam Newton had those two breakout games. He was great, and then he really struggled last week. He did not play well against the Eagles. He had three picks, and that was after the two great games uh, the two weeks before that. The Bears are only allowing 198 yards per game passing, which surprised me. Uh, they've allowed uh, at 200 yards or less in each of the past three games. Aaron Rodgers did have four touchdowns against him in that stretch, but uh, they're limiting the pass yards, which uh, Cam for 8,100, I think, is a no play for me this week. Yeah, I am uh, essentially not very interested in this game whatsoever from a DFS perspective. Uh, I do expect it to be grinding, a low-scoring game. Um, Not really a spot I'm interested in using Cam Newton. Uh, Really very low upside against, like you mentioned, a defense that's just done a really great job of holding opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers in check. 
Uh, actually, I went back to it and I, and I and I looked up just to see how many hundred yard receivers, um, you know, guys who have, who have uh, put up 100 yards against them. And the list is small. It's only Antonio Brown and Austin Hooper in week one. So outside of that, uh, you know, Vic Fangio, I think, is a very solid defensive coordinator. Um, they have a good group there, a nice solid secondary. And uh, they don't really give up those big chunks of yards, uh, the, you know, the way that defense is situated. And so. I just don't see a lot there going for me um, in terms of using Panthers. Um, C-Mac, Christian McCaffrey is always interesting, probably a little bit more so for full PPR sites. Um, you know, he's really gained the trust of Cam Newton to the point where Jonathan Stewart is pretty much all lost all fantasy value. And uh, what's interesting is uh, Christian McCaffrey ranks 10th in targets and 5th in receptions uh, in the league as had, a running back. He had 14 targets last week. That's crazy. Um, the one guy, the one guy I want to mention though, uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, he's only sixty eight hundred. has uh, has really come on the last three weeks. He had the injury early on, uh, week one against the Niners. That kind of was coming back from that. But the last three weeks, four for one hundred four, four fifty eight in a touchdown, and then nine for ninety nine last week. He had thirteen targets last week. He looks fully engaged. He's clicking with Cam. If I do go somewhere with the with the Carolina offense, I think it's going to be Benjamin, kind of in that in that mid range uh, price of sixty eight hundred. I don't think he'll be high percentage against uh, against the Bears. The Bears pass has been good the last two weeks, but Jordy did get them for two touchdowns in Week Four. You mentioned Antonio Brown had ten for one ten and a touchdown in Week Three, so um, kind of good top end receivers have done well against them. Uh, I like Benjamin at sixty eight hundred this week. I think uh, I think he kind of slides under the radar and has a, has a pretty nice game. Very nice, nice little contrarian play there uh, in getting some exposure to this game. Uh, what about on the Bears side? Uh, you know, rookie quarterback Trubisky literally has no receivers <laughs> to work with. Uh, that's why we saw Zach Miller step up. It's why we saw Jordan Coward get a whopping 36 carries, which uh, both of us nailed uh, Howard last week, which was nice. He put up some value without actually scoring a touchdown, getting a little overtime action. But it's a tough matchup for Howard against Carolina's sixth-ranked de- uh, run defense uh, in DVOA. Um I don't know. There's just not a lot I like in the Bears game and just in general, nothing in this game. Yeah, if I were to go anywhere, it'd be Jordan Howard, and that would only be if Luke Keekley doesn't play. He had a concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's questionable for this week. He has not practiced yet. Um, concerning on Keekley because this is like his third concussion, so uh, some worries there. But, you know, Howard, you know, the massive workload last week. You mentioned the 36 carries, 167 yards. He's the only guy in this offense I would even think about, but the Panthers haven't allowed a 70-yard rusher yet all year. I mean, not even mm-hmm. one guy that's at 70 yards. I think I just stay away from the Bears offense this week. All right, let's jump into a one that could be fun. Obviously, would be a lot more fun if Aaron Rodgers was playing. Um, obviously, very you know, very sad. Poor one out for his season. Um, New Orleans at Green Bay. Uh, what do you like in this game? Yeah, New Orleans actually comes in as a five and a half point favorite, which you know, obviously, a week ago we would not have guessed. It's crazy that uh, Green Bay was going to be about a, about a five point favorite. And Aaron Rodgers swings that line himself like ten points. Probably the most valuable player in the NFL from a from a Vegas line swing. It was it was pretty crazy to see that. The over under this game is forty eight. We finally have a game with some points. Uh, Drew Brees is interesting. You know, it's it's road Brees, but it's a pretty good matchup. He's not been explosive lately, though. He hasn't topped 270 yards the last three weeks. I think he might be missing his weapons a little bit. He has Michael Thomas and kind of nobody else. Um, Willie Sneed came back last week, only played about a third of the of the snaps, only had one catch. Um, Ted Ginn was kind of the big guy last week. He had the two touchdowns. Um, Green Bay has a lot of injury issues in their secondary. They haven't allowed a 260-yard passer yet, but uh, you know maybe they, it's time for them to get got. Uh, what do you do with Breeze this week? I usually don't play him on the road, but this is an interesting scenario. 
No, I would definitely consider it. I think for me, it's just a matter of uh, how I, I see uh, Brett Hundley uh, progressing, the the, uh, the backup and now new uh, Packers quarterback. And if I think that the Packers can hang in this game, um, you know, New Orleans obviously are five and a half favorites. We got a 48 over under. And the offense just looked like a juggernaut last week. Obviously, a lot of that coming on the ground with Mark Ingram and Alton Kamara. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they put up 50 plus points last week. Uh, you know, for me personally, I think it's a get right game for Michael Thomas and especially yeah, after st- still, on, still on my thunder. I love Michael Thomas this week. Yeah. I mean, he was fully muted by Darius Slay last week, by the way. Um, uh, I do who I do believe is a shutdown corner. One of the top ten, uh, top eight to ten guys. He caught just three balls, Michael Thomas, for 11 yards. Um, and he gets to match up with Devon House, who um, you know, is, is sort of a, a middle of the road guy, uh, you know, there. But the Packers secondary is really nothing for us to worry about. Um, I think a little breeze Thomas exposure might work and I'm fine with playing Thomas uh, w- without breeze just to have ex- some exposure to this offense. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said for uh, watching games at home and I, I love watching being able, be able to watch every game, but I was at the game and I, I, I made sure to watch the Thomas slay matchup a bunch. And I tell you what slay was awesome in that matchup. He was everywhere the whole, the whole time he was all over Thomas, uh, every play Thomas had three catches for 11 yards. I really got a good angle and was able to watch that matchup. And uh, anybody that doesn't think Slay is a shutdown corner should watch some film on that game because he was he was a beast in that game. But, you know, Thomas is under 8,000. He's 7,700 this week. He, uh, the two weeks before that, he had 19 targets, 15 catches, 176 yards, and two touchdowns. I think Michael Thomas, you know, maybe off the – I love stud receivers off bad games. I always have. Um, I think Thomas is a, is a great play this week. I think he, they're going to make sure to feed him. I think, you know, when you get stud receivers that have bad games, they tend to chirp and practice a little bit. I think Thomas is going to see the ball. I think it's going to be explosive this week. I like him a lot at 7,700. Excellent. We're on the same page there. Uh, and then with the Packers, uh, Quinton Rollins is out. Their slot corner. It's kind of a sneaky matchup um, for, I guess, I wish there was just like a straight-up answer here as far as, you know, who's going to get that slot action because there's Willie Sneed and there's the big boy. I mean, he's like 6'5", Brandon Coleman. Um, but, you know, Willie Sneed is, is, you know, his only last game was his only game sort of back in the mix. And the Packers have someone named Lindsey Pipkins covering the slot. And it just totally sounds like somebody you want to target a, re- a receiver against. There's no, um, there's no way he's more than like five, seven. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and probably not a real name, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, last week's need is uh, played only 30% of the snaps. I think we'll see more so going forward. I do think Willie Sneed is a really good receiver. We've seen him in action last year. Uh, you know, if it's a potential spot, if, if we believe that Willie Sneed is going to, see 60% plus snaps, it could be a, a nice little spot for us uh, to, to get some more exposure to this offense. And, you know, potentially if Ingram and Kamara aren't vulturing touchdowns, maybe put together a team with a, a Breeze, Sneed, and Michael Thomas stack. I was going to say, you mentioned Ingram and Kamara. I mean, what do you do there? I mean, Ingram obviously had a monster game last week, the first game without Adrian Peterson, 25 carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Much of that was built on one big long run they had. Uh, he hadn't topped 14 carries before that, so the you know the game script uh, worked out well. The no Adrian Peterson worked out well, but you know Kamara still had 14 touches and is more explosive. He looked really good in that game. Ran a lot of yards per carry. Um, it's tough for me to pay for Mark Ingram at 7,700, just knowing how many touches Kamara gets. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I want to target the pass offense. Think a little bit more in this one. You know, last week at a you know at a very cheap price, Ingram was such an easy play. 
Uh, it's just a, it's just a shame that weeks like that where you know we get a couple of those things right, like an Ingram or a you know a Ingram and McKinnon and Arizona pass offense, but then you have like a Julio Jones is the one that lets you down and keeps you from a big GPP win. But so be it. I think this week is just a little bit different, um, you know, because you have two good backs there and because the price has gone up, it's really tough for me to consider. What about last thing in this uh, this side of the offense? I guess you wouldn't call it offense, but. The defense, New Orleans defense is really coming around, looked really sharp last week, at least, you know, in terms of got some fluky touchdowns and put up some points. Uh, would you consider their defense against Brett Hundley? Yeah, I have to. I got to tell you, uh, you mentioned their defense to me uh, like on Friday, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, going against Stafford, New Orleans D, I, I wasn't feeling it. Do you, you were dead on on that one. I missed on that one. They had three touchdowns. Uh, they have they've had 13 sacks last three games. So I mean it's real stuff. You know it's not just uh, not just the touchdowns. They're starting to sack the quarterback. Green Bay's allowed eight sacks the last two weeks. Now they're facing a rookie quarterback and or not a rookie quarterback but a quarterback in his first start. Um, Hundley threw three picks last week when he came into uh, to come in for Rodgers. And New Orleans D is only only 4,500. The only thing I'm wary about is just coming off that enormous 30 plus point game on FanDuel. Uh, it's hard to see a defense do that back to back, but it, it all kind of lines up pretty well for this D. Yep, definitely in play. What about on the Packers side of the ball? Uh, you know, for me, like the running backs, for example, Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery are really kind of tough plays. Uh, you know, obviously they are priced there in the mid range around six thousand sixty five hundred. Um, neither was that efficient last week. But of course, a lot of that had to do with uh, the Minnesota defense being extremely stingy. New Orleans ranks 24th against the run. And Tymont didn't seem to be too affected from his rib injury, but obviously wasn't very efficient. Seems like the two might sort of split carries still, and it sort of cancels out their DFS value. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same same boat there. I think that I wonder if the Packers might lean on the run game a little more with no Aaron Rodgers, but with the split carries, I just don't think I can uh, I can go with either one. I, I he uh, Aaron Jones outsnapped Montgomery like you said, 43 to 20 last week. But crazy thing is, you know, the Saints have only allowed one rushing touchdown all year long. Yep. Pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think I stay away there. What do you do with the pass offense? Uh, Brent Hundley is only 6,500. He can run. He's cheap, but the Saints will pressure him. He did not look especially great last week. But uh, what do you do with, like, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams? I mean, it's so it's so weird to, to, to think about those guys without a top quarterback. What I do this week is I fade both and I play Randall Cobb. Oh, sneaky. Uh, because, yeah, because Hundley is, uh, you know, I think he's go- he's not going to necessarily be going for those big bombs, like you said, a little bit more on the run plays. And Randall, Cla- Co- Club. Randall <laughs> Cobb is a slot guy going up against Kenny Vaccaro, who's the one-week link of the secondary and who got roasted by Golden Tate last week and one of the worst-graded slot corners in the game so far. While Adams is going to have a really tough matchup against a uh, you know, one of the guys who's one of my favorite up and coming cornerbacks in Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, so obviously Jordy's in the mix there as well. But I think Cobb is a really sneaky play and somebody that I might be able to get at five percent ownership um, might cross in, you know cross the end zone and get a bunch of catches, get eighty yards or so. I would certainly take the under on Randall Cobb being five percent this week. I think he's probably like two two percent. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the Saints' D and how well they play, but they still gave up 192 yards and two touchdowns to Golden Tate and Marvin Jones last week. So they're still getting up big plays uh, in the past game, at least last week. You know, the game script worked out pretty well in, the, in that situation. Stafford was throwing the ball the whole second half with the big with the big deficit. But I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. Jordy's down to 7,400, but I still don't think I could pay for it until I see, see what Hundley could do for a full game. Yep, Meg. Fair enough. Makes a lot of sense to me. Moving on uh, to a big NFC West matchup. Uh, is anybody else, anything else in that game? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Okay. No, that is it. Cool. Moving on to big NFC West matchup. We have Arizona heading to LA to the Coliseum to face the Rams. Rams are favored by three and a half. Nice over under on this game of forty-seven and a half. 
Uh, starting with the visitors, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, Carson Palmer just keeps getting it done. Last week, 283 yards, three touchdowns, only 22 attempts. One of the most efficient games uh, you'll ever see in terms of, uh, you know, YPA and that sort of thing. He has over 269 yards in every game. The Rams have only allowed uh, 300 passing yards once, though. That was to the mighty Brian Hoyer. They've allowed 200 yards passing in three, uh, under 200 yards passing in three of six weeks. Uh, so kind of back and forth on Palmer. His stats look good. The matchup looks tough. Uh, what do you do with him at 7,000? Well, I think what we saw last week was pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Yes, uh, out of it that was. Geri- geriatric trio of Palmer, Fitzgerald, and Peterson. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, for me, the Rams' pass D is uh, you know somewhat stout, ranked sixth in DVOA uh, defense. Uh, Nickel, Roby Coleman, and Tremaine Johnson are a couple of solid defenders. <laughs> Um, so I think it somewhat hinders the upside of you know, of the Palmer, Fitz, John Brown group. Um, you know, I, I'm personally very happy to see John Brown healthy and scoring in consecutive games. I think he's a premier passing option outside of Fitzgerald in this offense. Um, I think we will not see Andre, Andre Ellington get a zero again like he did last week. I uh, hope people didn't play him and take that zero. Um, but to me, the most impressive thing was Adrian Peterson. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's the top talk of the week. Uh, I don't necessarily think we'll see him duplicate or come close to last week's 25.4 FanDuel points that he put up. But the Rams' run D is definitely a sieve. Uh, you know, obviously they gave up that monster run of Fournette last week. They've allowed 4.8 yards per carry to opposing backs, and they're tied for the most touchdowns allowed as well. So, you know, I, I think Peterson actually is in consideration for, uh, you know, for GPP. He's a little tougher for cash just because, you know, you're, you're going to want to have that game script with Arizona up, and I don't think they'll necessarily be up. So I think somewhere in the range of 10 to 15 fantasy points is reasonable for, for Peterson. Yeah, I'll fully admit that I, I have no idea what Adrian Peterson is going to do this week. It's so hard to figure out. He looked so bad last year and a half, but how much of that was, you know, poor blocking, poor uh, poor game script, poor game mm-hmm. planning. You know, he got killed last year in Minnesota. They were His uh, his yards before uh, before contact was unbelievably low. He's just getting killed by the offensive line. He looked great last week. I mean, he just looked good. You, I went back and watched the highlights, and he just looked good. He also had a 45-yard run that was called back. Uh, he got DJ Humphreys' his left tackle back, which helps that offensive line a lot. Um, the Rams last week were interesting against the run. You know, they only allowed Leonard Fournette to 2.8 yards, except for that big that big 75 yard run to start the game. So, after that one big run, they actually played pretty well against an elite running back. But I don't know, Peter Peterson at 6300. I think I agree with you. I think he's a he's a GPP guy. If you think that uh, you know he's back and he's back to the the the, the robot that he used to be, uh, I could see it. I don't think I'm going to play very much of him. I think I want to see it one more time before I put him in my lineup. Uh, what about Rams side of the ball? You've got Gurley, who's obviously in the conversation every week. Uh, Cardinals rather stout against the run. They rank fourth against the run, 24th against the pass. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm sort of interested. You know, obviously we're going to probably have Sammy Watkins, um, the bust that he is, covered by Patrick Peterson again. Uh, to me, Woods, Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup are a couple of interesting options against uh Justin Bethel and the Honey Badger. What about them and Gurley in your consideration? Yeah, the passing game is interesting. I mean, uh, Goff struggled last week, but that was against the Jacksonville pass D. I think we've learned that we probably just throw that out the window. Uh, the Arizona pass D, you know, thought to be good, is really struggling. 200, uh, 290 yards and three touchdowns to Ryan Fitzpatrick last week after Jameis went out. 304 yards and four touchdowns to Carson Wentz the week before that. They only have 11 sacks on the year. I think the big problem is they're not putting pressure on the quarterback, giving a lot of guys a lot of time. It doesn't matter how good your cornerbacks are. Uh, if you give the quarterback a ton of time, guys are going to get open. Uh, I kind of like uh, I kind of like Goff a little bit. I think there's other quarterbacks I like more. I like your Robert Woods and Cooper Cup plays. I think those are kind of sneaky, uh, you know, GPP type guys. But what about Sammy Watkins? I mean, he's he's just dead. Ten targets and two catches 
total the last three weeks after his huge game against the Niners. He's still playing a ton of snaps, so he's out there. It's not like he's sitting on the bench. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you think about Watkins at all? You just kind of wait until we see something more. No, and I think a lot of people were anticipating this uh, this this, tr- this tough stretch um, th- that he has against some of the league's best corners. Um, you know, especially uh, you know, obviously getting that Seattle love where he, he basically put up a goose egg zero for four in terms of uh, you know receptions on targets. Same thing last week in Jacksonville, and now he just gets another really tough draw. He's going to get that Patrick Peterson coverage. He's just not going to get a lot of targets this week. Uh, it's the ultimate GPP play. It's just not something that I'm particularly interested in, even though you know I love to take risks. This is one of those that I consider to be a not not wise risk. Yeah, and you mentioned Todd Gurley's he's 8,400, so you know priced a little bit below the the elite guys. Uh, you know he's they went back to feeding him last week after that one week reading at the ball. He had 23 carries last week, 116 yards. Uh, over 100 yards rushing three of the last four weeks. He's just been solid almost every week. Uh, Arizona Rush, like you mentioned, has been pretty good. They haven't allowed any rusher over 80 yards. Um, what about Gurley at 8,400? Is someone you're going to be uh, you're going to be carrying? Uh, it's just it's a little bit of a tough matchup. Uh, it, it's a week where I want to find some value with the guys with the Jai on down because I want to have some exposure to uh, you know more expensive wide receivers and quarterbacks. And so, you know, like I said, in the conversation every week. Uh, you know, more uh, for me, he would be more viable on sites that are full PPR. Um, so just a little, a little tough for me. I think Woods and Cup, uh, one of those guys, break out this week. Last question: You think the Rams win that game? I do. Interesting. They uh, they are certainly playing well. Uh, moving to the one o'clock uh, one o'clock games, we've got uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh fared by five and a half over under a forty one. Um, you know, one of those things, Cincinnati going to Pittsburgh, I don't like to guys play guys in Pittsburgh. I know A.J. Green's had some success in the past against the Steelers. Um, I don't love him this week. He's 8,500. I just don't love this offense on the road in Pittsburgh. The Steelers have only allowed four touchdown passes through six weeks. Truly an amazing stat when you think about it. They've only get up three wide receiver touchdowns all year. They haven't allowed a wide receiver to have over 61 yards all year. That's an amazing stat. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was looking up AJ Green's uh, game logs, and obviously things change from year to year. Uh, you know, defenses, schemes, defensive coordinators, whatnot. But uh, you know, AJ Green loves facing the Steelers. I mean, he had one outing against them last year before he got hurt. A very weak uh, two catches for uh, on eight targets for thirty-eight yards. That was in week two last year. But his previous four games against them, just want to throw him out there, and I did put this on, up on Twitter. Uh, Eleven for one eighteen and a touchdown. Six for 132 and a touchdown, eight for 82, and then 11 for 224 and a touchdown. So um, this is a game that he loves. Uh, Dalton actually has had a checkered history against them. He's only thrown for over 300 yards uh, twice in three years, and it has a two-touchdown to four-interception ratio over the last three years against them. Um, Steelers and Bengals pretty much doesn't get any better than this in terms of uh, in terms of uh, defenses. And I think it's just going to be one of those low scoring games. Um, kind of tough for me to, you know, have any exposure to the Bengals side outside of maybe an AJ Green GPP. Yeah, I mean, AJ Green's awesome and he can always hit a big one. And the, the only thing that might work in his favor is the game script. Pittsburgh's a five and a half point favorite. So, you know, maybe they're throwing about the second half. But when I looked at all the stats that the Steelers have against opposing wide receivers, I just, I'm not paying, I'm not paying 8,500 for someone against their, their defense. Uh, what about the Steelers? Uh, you know, for me, it, it's a weekly tough position to be in, as it is for most people, obviously, because, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are fully priced every week. Obviously, if anybody that anyone that played both of them 
uh, and were able to get in the cheaper options like the McKinnons and the Ingrams of the world uh, probably did really well. Um, do you have a, a preference in terms of one or the other, or are you basically fading both? Uh, I mean, you know, I obviously love both. They're both fantastic. I think this week I prefer Le'Veon just because of the game script. They're fared by six points. He could get a ton of volume in the second half. And and volume is kind of what makes Le'Veon. I mean, he's only at 4.1 yards per carry in the year. But you look at last week, 32 carries against the Chiefs, 170 yards and a touchdown. He looks to be fully back in you know, 144 yards two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So he's had two monster games in the last three. Uh, the Cincy Rundy has been pretty good, though. They were smoked week one by the by the Ravens. But then since then, no rusher over 65 yards. Vontez Perfect being back is, is a huge, a huge thing for their defense. Um, so I like Le'Veon from kind of a volume game script situation, but I don't love the matchup. I think at 9,700, I'll probably go elsewhere, but maybe have a little bit of him uh, in, a, in a lineup where I'm going cheaper elsewhere. Yeah, and I think for me, just in general, it's tough. Like, I, you know, I, this game, despite the big weapons here, uh, because I want exposure elsewhere, it might, might end up just being a fade for me. Uh, and obviously Antonio Brown, best wide receiver in football for such a long time, uh, the most consistent guy there is. Um, that said, he has struggled a little bit against uh, uh, Cincinnati in terms of he hasn't topped 100 yards against them since 2014. So just something I wanted to, to throw out there for the listeners. What about uh, what about the wide receivers coming on a little bit on the other side? Uh, the rookie from USC, Juju Smith-Schuster, playing a lot of snaps. He has 19 targets over the last five weeks, starting to get the ball a little bit more. As you know, Martavis Bryant sees less targets. Juju's seeing more. Um, I wonder if Cincy maybe leans their coverage super heavy over to AB um, with Roethlisberger forcing so many balls his way. I wonder, I wonder if Juju gets loose for a bunch of catches this week. Absolutely could happen. And I know that some people, you know, including myself, uh, I did have a little bit of uh, Juju for Juju. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. The other – sneaky uh, thing here is Martavis Bryant perhaps um, only because you know the the, the trade rumors uh, over, over the week and I believe his, his girlfriend attempt to quell that but it's quite obvious that uh, <laughs> this was a real thing um, but uh, yeah I mean Martavis Bryant might be end, end up being somebody sneaky yeah I mean he's one of those guys that he can always hit a big one but uh, he's just he's just not getting the volume enough right now he's not getting enough looks where earlier in the year he was getting a lot of deep looks I just don't see him as much anymore uh, what about the Pittsburgh defense I was surprised they're only priced at 4500 they have nine sacks the last three games the Cincy offensive line has struggled all year long they've allowed 15 sacks in five games finally getting a little bit better they only gave up one sack in their last game coming off a bye the last game was week five uh, but they've turned it over already 11 times uh, you know good formula we've got the home Steelers which is always a different team six point five and a half point favorite uh, in a low-scoring game. I wonder if Pittsburgh D might be a solid play at 4,500. Me likey. I mean, yeah. 4,500, yep. what's not to like? I already I already uh, dropped that stat about Andy Dalton, 2-4, to four, uh, touchdown-interception ratio over the last uh, couple of seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a good spot for them. Absolutely love it. Moving on to my 49ers. They're hosting the Dallas Cowboys. This used to be the uh, the premier game for a lot of years. Not quite as much anymore with the 49ers being 0-6. Although the last five games, I think they lost by a total of 13 points. So they've been, they've been competitive lately. And this is a, a sneaky high over-under. Over-under of 47. Cowboys are favored by 6. Um, I like everything about the Dallas Cowboys offense this week. I like Dak. I like Zeke. I love Dez. Um, so I'll let you go first. Uh, you know, I, I love all those guys. Who do you like the most? Uh, for me, it's Dez, and you know that I'm a I'm a Dez uh, a Dez boy. I always have been. Um, but you know, this is just one of my favorite games on the slate in general. Uh, I do expect it to be a high paced, uh, high snap count uh, game. One that I will definitely at least have one uh, full game stack in. Um, 
We know that Zeke is probably going, uh, Ellie is going to play one more game at the least. Uh, but to me, I still think, uh, especially with the bye and, and probably Prescott and Dez sort of working together and, you know, trying to reestablish that rhythm that they had near the end of the second, uh, second part of the season last year. Um, that's probably my favorite way to attack the game. Uh, you know, we could always see Tez get vultured again in the red zone by Zeke or Beasley or someone like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely interesting to me. Cole Beasley is actually interesting as well. Uh, he's got a really nice matchup with Kawan Williams, who, as we know and had mentioned last week, has allowed the most receptions in the slot uh, by a lot. And he came and Beasley came back into DFS relevance last game with uh, two touchdowns in that game right before the bye. Um, so to me, there's a lot to like on this, in this offense. But Des Bryant with Prescott would be my favorite. Yeah, I just don't think the Niners have anybody that can cover Dez. I think he's going to get some red zone looks. There's nobody that can match him going up for a jump ball in the end zone there. Um, they're really starting to throw the ball his way. 21 targets the last two weeks. Only 10 catches in that spam, but he's getting the ball a ton. Um, I know the Skins, the Redskins wide receivers were quiet last week against the 49ers, but the, you know, the week before, T.Y. was 7 for 177. Jaron Brown was 8 for 105. Sammy Watkins, the, the dead Sammy Watkins we mentioned earlier, was 6 for 106 and two touchdowns against the Niners. I just think that... It lines up so well. You know, you never know what happens in one game, but I love Dez this week. Only 8200 He's priced down from, you know, from Antonio Brown. He's even cheaper than A.J. Green. I love Dez this week. I'm going to play him a lot. I don't know if – I think I'll have Dak a lot too. I don't necessarily have to pair them up. I could go Dez with some different players too. But um, what about Ezekiel Elliott? He is He's playing. You know, he's had the legal stuff, and he, he got his uh, – he got his uh, suspension uh, held off for another two weeks. It sounds like he's going to play for the next two weeks. Who knows after that? Um, you know, the 49ers run D has been better. They played really well last week. Chris Thompson got 100 yards receiving, but they didn't give up a lot of rushing yards. Um, they feed Zeke, though. What, uh, what, do you, what do you think for Elliott this week at 8,700? I mean, yeah, it could end up being his swan song. Uh, and, you know, the, the the price isn't all that bad. He is the, the you know, the well, you know what? It actually, it's 8,700. It, it's it's uh, reasonable considering it's Zeke where he could typically be priced 9,000 and up. Um, but, you know, the, the San Francisco run defense is good. Um, if he's going to get some activity, it's going to be, you know, as, uh, you know, involved as a pass catcher. Uh, you know, for me, just because I can't pay up for everybody and I am going to absolutely have a lot of Des Bryant, um, that's probably the way I'm going to go in terms of uh, exposure to this offense. We, we talk about game script a lot, though. You know, they're, they're favored in this game. They should win this game. If they're leading in the second half, you've got to think they feed him, especially with the fact that they don't really need to help hold off on him for the rest of the year. He's probably going to miss six games. I wonder if he gets fed a lot in the second half. That's a very, very astute way to look at it. So something I should uh, definitely take in consideration. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, I don't know about you, I'm not too interested in Witten. Uh, I think that San Francisco, one of their strengths is covering tight ends. They have limited fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Um, not necessarily a direction I want to go in. No, I'm with you there. Looking at the Niners offense, you know, the Cowboys defense has been struggling. Uh, Carlos Hyde, 6,700. He regained some of his volume last week. He scored twice, but he still only had 13 carries for 28 yards. So, you know, everybody looks at the FanDuel points. He was good. He had the two short touchdowns, but didn't really play very well. He did have five receptions, but the Cowboys are getting thrashed on the run. They've allowed 19 carries for 125 to Aaron Jones last time they played in week five, then 23 for 121 to Gurley the week before that. Um, I wonder if Hyde is a, you know, kind of a GPP hit a couple big plays kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I do think he's dangerous for for cash. Uh, Me too. You know, yeah. Obviously, last week uh, the ultimate contrarian play. I, I did see him on a lot of winning uh, lineups, GPP lineups last week. Um, interesting, the Cowboys though. If you look at their numbers uh, against the run, it's actually pretty decent, pretty stout, and they've only allowed two rushing touchdowns and a decent uh, white, white yards per carry against. 
But per the Football Outsiders DVOA, I mean, they rank dead last against the run. Um, but what I'm thinking is a big part of that has to do with uh, how easy they've been been to run against with Sean Lee out. And that's my one concern with Hyde is that Sean Lee is expected back in this game. And I think it changes the dynamic of this um, of this line altogether, making Hyde a bit tougher of a play. Yeah, my concern with Hyde is, you know, if he goes out there and he has, you know, six carries for nine yards, not looking good, they could just yank him and put and put Brita in. And I just uh, I just don't trust that he's going to get enough volume. And when I have running backs, I want volume, volume, volume. I hate when yeah. I have to rely on a big player or something like that. Um, I don't think I'm going to have much Hyde. But what about the Niners passing game? Kind of a good game script for them. They should be trailing the Cowboys high over under in this game. They've been they've been moving the ball pretty well. You have C.J. Beathard coming in first start, so that kind of mess, messes things up a little bit. But he looked good last week. He looked better than Hoyer. Did at least in the game last week. Um, Pierre Garçon, 6,700. He's been a target monster. 47 targets the last four weeks. He's clearly the guy. Everything underneath goes to Garçon. In a full PPR PPR site, you know, he's a little more valuable because he gets all those little slants and quick passes. Um, 6,700, what do you do with uh, Mr. Garçon this week? He's got to pop, uh, get into the end zone at one point, right? I mean, he, you know, through, through the first uh, six games, he's got no touchdowns. Yeah, but the he, targets- he will. Yeah, and the targets are there. Uh, you know, he's averaging ten Fanduel points a game, and that's without any touchdowns. He's interesting. Um, you know, the the connection with uh, C.J. Beathard and and uh, George Kittle, who's really uh, come around over the last couple games. Uh, the two played together in Iowa, and uh, did have a nice little connection in the second half there. Um, is also interesting. So I think, you know, CJ Beathard's only 6,300. I think he's uh, an incredible, ah, maybe I'm exaggerating on the word incredible. He's a nice <laughs> upgrade over Hoyer uh, for this offense. I do like the fact that you mentioned the games that they've lost. I mean, they've really kept these games close. Um, this may be another one um, in that, in that sort of realm with the fact that this game is in San Francisco. So um, we'll see. I think for the most part, I think we're sort of staying away from, from Hyde, um, at least here in FanDuel and maybe sort of targeting this uh, this pass offense and, and stacking this game, really. Yeah, I mean, Kittle had 17 targets the past two weeks. He's had 11 catches over the past week. He should see volume, like you said, with his with his college teammate. Not only his college teammate, his college teammate from last season. I mean, they're they're both yeah. uh, they're both fresh guys. Um, I think that uh, he's going to be a big time security blanket for Beathard. You know, anytime he gets pressure, I think the first thing he's going to do is look for Kittle underneath. Um, I think it, on a full PPR side, I really like Kittle this week. Even on Fanduel with half PPR, I think he's at 4800, uh, a really good play, especially with the Niners trailing in this game, throwing the ball a lot the second half. And what do you think? Uh, something just came to my mind about going with uh, Beathard, uh, who's 6,300, with Kittle, and just you know basically building the, the the bomb offense around that, just you know fitting in all the guys you want. Yeah, I mean you could if the game script works out uh, works out well for Beathard, it could work out really well. I just I think there's other quarterbacks I'm going to play. I'm I'm pretty much paying up at quarterback across the board this week. I think there's a lot of guys that can, can smoke Beathard. Um, I think I can find enough value elsewhere that I'm probably not going to play him very much. But if I'm going with a, a GPP and I really want to stack up the running backs and wide receivers, he, he certainly is interesting. I mean, he's going to play the whole game. He's going to throw the ball a lot. Um, you got to think the volume's going to be there, which is always key when you got when you got a real cheap guy. Okay, enough of that fun game. Let's go to a boring one. The Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. Seattle, five-and-a-half-point favorites. We've got a Vegas total at the moment at 38.5. Anything interesting for you here? You know, not really. I tried to look at the Seattle offense. I always like Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin, but, you know, 8,100 for Wilson, 7,400 for Baldwin. They're not especially cheap. I just don't think I'm paying up for them on the road in a tough matchup. When I have other options, I just like more. 
Yeah, I'm sort of on the same boat. I mean, I, I think the really the only way to really attack this Giants uh, defense is on the ground where they've been susceptible. We're just not sure how it all shakes out there with their running backs. If I had a preference, it would be uh, Thomas Rawls. Um, you know, but for me, I'm most honestly, um, you know, Dark was looked good. Uh, he looked great last uh, last week, and he's damn cheap. It's 5,200. Um, essentially, the only way to attack Seattle as well is on the ground in their 24th ranked uh, defense. Um, my one con- concern with Darkwa is probably game flow. Um, but either way, I think this should be a tight sort of low scoring one. To be honest, what I'm mostly interested in here are the kickers, sadly enough. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably well, sh- that's probably fair. I mean, I on the Giants side, you know, Roger Lewis was kind of the, the hyped up guy that was picked up in uh, in uh, NFFC and season long leagues. But he has two targets for one catch last week and just not much there since the first week. Uh, Roger not- Lewis can't lose. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I oh, no, used that's to par- oh, that's Parker. Sorry. Parker Lewis is a good show. Um, yeah, yeah. One uh, one note. I mentioned that uh, on the in the Cardinals Rams game that they were going to the Coliseum. That game is obviously in London. That's why it's a morning game. So I apologize for the. Uh, the misspeak on that one. That game is in London uh, for the third London game of the season. So, but it is a ten o'clock uh, Pacific game, so it's it's on the slate. So that's it. Nothing else on the Giants. What about Seattle defense? They're uh, rather expensive. Are you yeah, paying up? you know, I think too expensive. I like Seattle defense at home. If I'm going to pay up fifty five hundred, they got to be at home for me. Um, I like their chances this week. Eli will make some mistakes like he usually does, but for fifty five hundred, I think I look elsewhere with them on the road. Eli mistakes? No. Never. Uh, moving on to a much more interesting game, even though the over-under is low. We have the Broncos headed to uh, to L.A. to play the Chargers. Chargers are fared by a point and a half um, at home, over-under 41 and a half. I'm guessing this game will be about 90% Broncos fans, so probably won't be much of a home game. Um, starting with the Broncos, uh, C.J. Anderson, we both liked last week, laid a huge egg. The whole Broncos team laid a huge egg. That was an embarrassing loss at home to the Giants. Uh, one of the most embarrassing performances I've seen all year. They were horrendous and just embarrassing against a terrible team. Um, an 0-6 Giants team came in and played well, but uh, you know I was really disappointed with the Broncos. Um, what do you do with C.J. Anderson now? I mean, you know he's, uh, He was so bad last week. Uh, for me personally, I play him. I go back to the well. He, all right. Uh, he hurt. He hurt me. Uh, he actually had me. I was all set. All he had to do was the bare minimum for me to uh, to scrape through on my cash games, and he uh, did not come through. And so I fell a couple of points short. Uh, so be it. But he was a victim of game script last game. Uh, obviously didn't look that great and didn't have that. Did have that touchdown uh, not counted as one. But he did only have seven carries. I do think he bounces back in a big way against this Chargers 26th ranked run defense. Uh, and you know what? Anderson also, he apologized for his performance on Twitter. I saw which that. I don't think is, <laughs> I didn't think it was really necessary, but uh, I'm a believer in karma and I think he's got some good, good roto karma coming to him. So we've got uh, on the passing side, we have Emmanuel Sanders who's not going to play this week due to his injury. Uh, what about Demarius Thomas? He's a little banged up, but it sounds like he's going to play. They're going to really need him this week. They fed him last week. He had 10 catches for over a hundred yards. Um, I like Demarius Thomas 7,100 this week. Am I on my own on that one? You're not. Um, I uh, I haven't looked much at what other people are talking about. Just It's been a busy week, but um, I think in general, uh, I think you're going to see some ownership on Demarius this week, uh, at least among the top 10 receivers. If he's healthy and looking good in practice um, come the weekend, you might see him even in the top five, simply because there really isn't anyone else there. Uh, you might have a little bit of exposure to Benny Fowler, but I think Demarius plays. I think he's interesting. Um, but I think people, you know, you don't want to have too much exposure on this game. I don't think people are going to want to go with both C.J. Anderson and Demarius. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those grind them out type of games with the running backs where I like C.J. Anderson. And I also like Melvin Gordon on the other side. 
Yeah, I mean, Demarius Thomas can probably see a lot of Casey Hayward, which, you know, is a factor there. So I get you there. I just, I like Demarius without Sanders. I think they're just going to force the ball to him a lot. But um, Melvin Gordon, I tell you what, this guy's been awesome. What do you do with someone like him, 7,700 only, but against this powerful Broncos defense? Yeah, I mean, Broncos have been amazingly stout against the run. They rank first in uh, in run defense, uh, DVOA-wise, and they have yet to allow a rush touchdown. And ironically, they're... Uh, their, their pass defense ranks 18th. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of balance there. I think the run defense is a tad bit overrated. And the other thing is Melvin Gordon is used a lot as a weapon out of the backfield. I do think it's going to be a grind him out type of game. They'll probably, you know, utilize him a lot in this one. Um, and so uh, I, I'm interested. The only problem is, of course, is um, the price. And, you know, do I think he's going to get into the end zone once or maybe twice? Uh, and am I still going to be able to get pieces that I want from, you know, Dallas, uh, New England and Atlanta. What about uh, what about Hunter Henry? You know, he was uh, he was up and down the start of the year. Last two weeks, 15 targets, finally waking up, had five catches for 90 yards against the Raiders last week. Uh, Hunter Henry at 5,200, usually we avoid almost everybody against the, the Broncos pass defense. Um, you going to have any any Hunter Henry this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of how many lineups I'm building. Like, I'm definitely wanting to look in the five, you know, sort of the 5,000 and under range. Um, you know, I liked your O'Leary suggestion earlier. It just sort of helps him build build up elsewhere. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, simply because you know Hunter Henry is you know clearly becoming a bigger part of this uh, offense more so than Antonio Gates as he should be, and with uh, you know the receivers likely having a really tough time. Um, you know, with the secondary there, Hunter Henry and Melvin Gordon are really the only pieces of exposure I would want if I want anything on on the Chargers side. So moving on to the uh, the big game of the day. Luckily, uh, FanDuel on the main slate has the 5 o'clock game, the Falcons at the Patriots. New England minus 3.5 at home, over, oh, under, over under of 55. Um, starting with the visiting team, you know, everybody's going to have a lot of exposure to this game, so it's going to be about picking the right guys. I think that uh, yeah. we're all going to kind of go into Sunday. Everybody's going to have some uh, have some uh, player minutes remaining on that on the little thing on the, on the FanDuel site. Um, it's going to be who you have, though. I think this everybody's going to have some piece of this. Who you have is going to be key. Um, talk to me about the Falcons. Matt Ryan, obviously a fantastic matchup. Um, six straight games, the Patriots have given up 300 yards. Every game this year, they're going to at least 300 yards, the opposing quarterback. Even Josh McCown got them for 354 last week. Now, some of that is they lead games and, uh, and, and teams have to pass against the second half, but they also pass these also bad. Matt Ryan didn't look good last week. He played really well no. in the first half and just terribly in the second half. Um, so Matt Ryan, 8,700. The matchup's fantastic. He has not played well. What does one do? You know, if people, uh, you know, obviously they've seen how volatile and insane the NFL is and, you know, may want to get a little contrarian and get a little different. But if uh, you want to be contrarian and sort of fade this game, you might as well not even put in uh, put in any lineups this week because you're going to want exposure to this one. It's going to be a beast of a game. I think it exceeds 60 points in total. Um, you know, Ryan and. Matt Ryan, he's priced up in this one. He's the second priciest QB behind Tom Brady, especially with Aaron Rodgers out. Um, you know, personally, I think I'm fine getting my exposure to the Falcons pass offense with uh, just Julio. Um, I really think, you know, obviously, you know, the silly quote from Dan Quinn, oh, we really should get Julio more involved. Like, no crap, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, Steve Sarkissian is 
probably should go back to college personally. I think he's a disappointment, you know, um, have another beer, bro. Uh, just, you know, they fail, <laughs> fail to, you really fail to utilize Julio properly. It's really a shame. Um, you know, I think this is a nice little, uh, you know, pick me up spot for him. Uh, another week removed from the hip ailment. Um, I'm going to be personally force fitting Julio and Dez in most of my lineups. I don't care how chalky it is. Um, I think if anything, people can get a little sneaky with, uh, with, uh, exposure in a different way with Devonta Freeman and I know that happened a few weeks ago where everyone was targeting Julio and Ryan together they busted and Freeman was the guy that came through with a monster game and a couple of touchdowns um, the only problem here is I don't know how you feel about it obviously uh, Freeman is a lot uh, better at home um, but in general what are your thoughts on the Atlanta side of the game yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think anybody's listening to this knows how I feel about uh, Julio Jones, and it's been a little bit frustrating. You know, he's he's been okay and put up some yards, but not getting in the end zone, not having any monster games has been frustrating. There is no way in hell that I'm not having a ton of exposure to Julio in this game. If he burns me on this one, then I'll take a look at it and figure out whether I need to still keep playing him or not. But there's no way I'm going away from him. After, after a few uh, – after a, a struggling game last week, he only had 70 yards, no touchdowns. Julio against this pass defense. I know Bill Belichick likes to take away weapons, but I just don't think they have the ability to take away weapons right now. Uh, I think Julio Julio's going monster game this, this week. I just I think it's going to be monstrous. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big Scott and Vlad and listeners week because your favorite uh, receiver is Julio Jones. Mine is Des Bryant. We both love them. I'm going to be mashing them in on all my lineups. So yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Um, Anyone else there on the Atlanta side? Um, you know, how, how did things shake out for you in terms of uh, exposure to Devonta Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman? Yeah, it's it's always tough to figure those guys out. We talked about last week that we liked Coleman and he scored, but it was interesting. We liked him because of the game script and it didn't work out that way. You know, the no. the Falcons had that seventeen nothing lead, and I thought we we're going to see a lot of Tevin Coleman in the second half. We talked about how he could really play the whole fourth quarter. And they just kind of fell apart and let the let the Dolphins beat them. But the other guy that's interesting to me outside of Ryan and Julio Jones is actually Austin Hooper. Um, he's uh, he's finally getting some more looks. He's got a lot of targets. He had seven catches last week for 48 yards. He had five for 50 the week before that. So after that first big game, he kind of was quiet, and then he's come back a little bit. Um, I think Mohamed Sanu might be back this week, which kind of hurts him a little bit because Hooper's kind of been the underneath guy that Sanu is. But at 5,000, if I want a little more exposure to this game from the Atlanta side, I think Hooper um, kind of getting him in uh, as a cheaper tight end could be interesting. Yes, and I dig it especially because um, a lot of people might be looking at it as, hey, Mohamed Sanu is coming back to this game. He's going to basically uh, you know, put Hooper out to the pasture as far as being DFS relevant. Um, but I think that's all the more reason to potentially use him, especially with the fact that he's only 5,000. So on the on the New England side, Brady is uh, 9,200. Obviously, um, he has huge upside in a potential shootout. You know, you could see him throw a bunch of touchdown passes this game. Uh, Atlanta hasn't been bad against the pass, but they've only played two kind of non-chump quarterbacks, what I call them. Uh, A-Rod yeah. had 343 yards and two touchdowns on him. Matt Stafford had 264 and one. The other matches they've had have been against really weak quarterbacks. But, you know, I think Brady's matchup-proof anyway, but this matchup does not scare me. They're at home. Um, as long as the weather holds up okay, you know, it is an outside game, um, it's hard not to think Brady goes big in this game too. Yeah, agreed. And... Um... I mean, it's really just a matter of, hey, where's the scoring going to come from? Obviously, we uh, saw Mike Gillisley fumble. We were already sort of seeing the signs of Deion Lewis uh, becoming uh, a little bit more in, term, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting getting more snaps and getting some carries. And so Deion Lewis was a nice, uh, nice little sharp play by our fellow uh, Rotowire scribe and DFS uh, uh, stud, Michael Rathburn. So he was on him last week um, that, you know, I. I He's obviously looking pretty good, but there's just so many pieces in this offense. Me personally, 
Um, I think perhaps the sharpest um, sort of lower lower percentage exposure might be Danny Amendola. Uh, and simply because he's got a nice little matchup against Brian Poole, the slot corner, who uh, actually ranks fourth worst among all slot corners in um, in pro football focuses fantasy points per route covered uh which which is a 1.54 um, fp per root cover so um you know hogan's dealing with a little bit of a rib thing cooks and uh you know is always a little bit more of a gpp play he can obviously go monster at any given time and gronk is super expensive so amandola is reasonably priced right around the six thousand mark uh perhaps a nice little cheap way to uh to get exposure to the patriots yeah i had amandola down as kind of someone to uh to play that maybe be a less a little less percent than the than the other uh receivers but i really like chris hogan this week I know he had the rib thing, but um, he kind of partially practiced today. As long as he looks good to go, um, again, I love good receivers off bad games. He had one catch for 19 yards last week after scoring four touchdowns three weeks before that. Um, I think that, uh, again, I've said it many times, I think Atlanta has to focus on Cooks, has to focus on Gronkowski. I think there's no way to double Hogan. I think Hogan beats coverage this week. Um, I think Hogan uh, I think Hogan scores one, hopefully two touchdowns this week. He's probably the guy that I'm going to. I'm going to kind of go back to the well there. I love guys off bad games, like I said. Um, but what do you do with Gronkowski? He's 8,500. He's so much more expensive than our tight ends, but clearly a difference maker in that position. He had two touchdowns last week. He was a huge, huge factor for people that won big GPPs last week. Um, if you go with Gronkowski, are you, are you pairing him up with Brady? Are you playing him kind of naked? I don't even want to go with naked Gronk on the internet. That could be a lot worse. Um, <laughs> that's even worse than naked cousins. Um, what uh, What do you do with Gronkowski? I think he's a, I think he's a, pr- a pretty big factor this week in kind of how you build your lineup. I think you have to think about when you build your lineup, you got to think about no, are you playing Gronk or not Gronk on this lineup because it affects kind of everything else you do in a lineup. Yeah, you know what? I don't, and, and honestly, as as we record this on Wednesday night, I'm still sort of trying to figure this out. And so, obviously, we are always available, um, you know, on Twitter. You can send us a message and email, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's an absolute beast. At least 80 yards in each of the last four games that he's played. Uh, Ten targets in two of his last three games. Um, just an absolute wrecking ball on the field. And uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be crazy not to build at least one of my three lineups having some Gronk exposure it's just that price and the fact that hey you're gonna want a touchdown um you know at some point he's gonna you know you got to figure out the pieces if you know if, if if you're gonna play Hogan or Cooks you can't have Gronk also unless you're building, building a stack in this game really tough for me to figure this out at this point I would say one of my four lineups um not going to be on my primary team yeah, interesting. It's just it's just so funny because he's so much different price than any other tight end. You pretty much have to decide uh, what you do with Gronk uh, before you start anything else. What about Deion Lewis? You mentioned him. Um, you mentioned Rathburn nailed him last week. He had a touchdown. Um, my only concern on Lewis is, you know, he played 29 slaps last week. He was a little more active, especially once Gillisley fumbled. But Lewis only still had 11 touches. I mean, I think you're you're banking on a touchdown or a big play so much. But at 5,500, you know, you could slide him in there as a cheap play and have him for the night game. Might be a lot of fun to watch. I mean— Deion Lewis can't lose either, right? <laughs> oh, boy. No, I mean, you know, it, it's just the fact that, uh, you know, we don't know how this care is going to shake out. He's just, you know, not not a part of the passing game like uh, like he was in the past because they do have, uh, you know, James White and uh, in the mix and eventually Burkhead will be back, I assume. But, um, yeah, at 5500 it's a good price, but um, I really don't think I'm going to play him unless I'm, you know, building 10 GPPs and I'll probably pop him in on one. Cool. All right. So how about uh, how about a quick recap uh, going to the quarterbacks? Who's your top overall play at the quarterback position this week? Oh, man. I hate <laughs> to say it, but it's Matt Ryan. How about you? Yeah, I, I think it's for me. It's Matt Ryan. I'm, I'm pretty much going Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott and Tom Brady. I, I don't think I'm going to go too far away from any of those three in any lineups. 
What about mid-range? For me, uh, I, I got a mid-range and a cheap. Um, I consider Dak Prescott a, a mid-range. Sounds like he's yours as well. Yeah. Uh, for me, my my cheapie is uh, is Tyrod Taylor and hoping that he figures it out and, uh, you know, is able to rush in a couple touchdowns in himself. That's, uh, that's kind of fun because my fade this week is Tyrod Taylor. I think he's going to be uh, too highly owned uh, across all the sites. Yeah, my fade uh, this week is Carson Palmer. I believe that uh, it's not going to be a good game for him. What about sneaky low percentage? You know, I don't really have anybody. I think this is a really a week to play up at tight end. If I had to play somebody um, outside of or, sorry, quarterback, if I had to play somebody outside of there, I think I'd go super cheap and play Hundley and hope that he runs in a couple touchdowns. But I don't love that play. I just I think it's a Ryan Dak Brady week, and I think you kind of build from there. Yep. Uh, for me, CJ Beathard. All right, fair I'm on, enough. I'm on, I'm on board, and I want to have this game on at least one game stack. So uh, running back, my top overall play is Ezekiel Elliott. I think the game script could work out really well for him. I think he could really eat in the second half. I think that they feed him. I think they don't worry about overplaying him because he's probably going to miss a month and a half anyway. Uh, he's my top overall running back this week at 8,700. My overall is LaShawn McCoy. Um, oh, I mean, I like technically – yeah, I mean, technically, Ajayi is my top overall, but he kind of sort of fits in a little bit more as a mid-range play. Right. So, uh, yeah, LeSean McCoy, he's going to cross the goal line not once but twice this week, so I'm going to have him in. Ooh, I like that. My uh, my top mid-range play, uh, yours obviously is Ajayi. Mine's Jarek McKinnon. I think he's a GPP guy, though. However, I think he relies a lot on the big play, but he looks really good. He's a, he's a stud athlete. You know, all his measurables are off the chart. I think he's one of those guys that you slot in there even at the, even at the elevated price, which is going to make him more low percent own than he was last week Uh, i think it's seven thousand. i think he's a good mid-range play especially in a gpp could hit a couple big plays and be really nice uh what about a cheap guy i originally had adrian peterson um i think i i still think that he's viable but i'm also considering duke johnson he's uh, a lot cheaper 6300 to 5500 i think you know cleveland has to do something i don't think they're gonna you know uh, put up like only three, three to seven points or so. And I think Duke is going to be a big reason why they do. They put up any points in this game. Yeah. My favorite cheap play is actually Alvin Kamara. I think he just looks really good. I think he had, he had 14 touches last week. Um, you know, if the saints get in a good, uh, good game script against the, against the uh, Packers and they're running out the clock, I think Kamara could see the ball a lot. I really like how he looks. I like how he runs the ball. I like how athletic he is. Um, Mark Ingram is not never been one of my favorite guys. I think, you know, last week everybody saw the stats, but really built off one big play. I think that Kamara, um, you know, he's a, he's a low percentage uh, GPP type guy, but as, as far as cheap play goes, he's my favorite guy. What about a fade for you? Mine's Le'Veon Bell. I'm, I'm doing doing the do. Um, I think mine's Jordan Howard. I think coming off the 36 carries, um, you know, people are going to see those big yards and, and probably slot him in there. Um, I think I'm just going to fade that Chicago offense completely this week, and, and Howard kind of falls in that mix too. Sneaky low percentage plays for me, uh, Marlon, uh, the Mac Daddy Mac, and right. uh, sneaky Thomas Rawls. Again, do not play these guys on one of your main three lineups. You're building multiple GPPs. You may want to have a little exposure. Thomas Rawls. Wow. Back to the well on that one. Yep. Back to the roll. All right. Um, that top. Is, that, that, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> top overall play this week uh, at wide receiver. Um, I think we have the same ones. Minor Julio Jones and Des Bryant. I'm going to try and get both as many as many lineups as I can. My top overall play says Des and Julio both. Beautiful. If I had to choose, it'll be Julio. But, you know, as as the DFS kids, the kids say these days, mash them in. Oh God! More DFS statement, more DFS terms. I love it. Let's talk about. Let's hey, talk this about, is a DFS podcast, my let, friend. Let's talk about funneling uh, some more. Yeah, yeah. Let's funnel. Um, my, let's funnel some mid range, uh, mid range plays. Yeah, I'm gonna funnel. Uh, I'm gonna funnel Demarius Thomas and Chris Hogan in the mid range. 
Okay, I funnel the Thomases, Demarius and Michael. What about uh, what about cheap plays? Mine this week. I love Marquise Lee. I think we talked about that a bunch earlier. I think that the game flow fits well. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. I also like Eric Decker. I really liked what I saw from him on Monday night. I think Mariota is going to try and hit him. I think he hits a big play over the top this week. You know, my guy already talked about him. It's uh, it, it's Amendola. Uh, you know, besides that, eh, I'm not really seeing too much out there. Obviously. You know, a guy like uh, Paul Richardson is just so cheap now. I mean, you know, still hanging around the 5,000 mark. But, uh, you know, when you can get a guy like Decker who will probably be more involved uh, against a bad pass defense, uh, you got to go that route. My uh, my fade this week is A.J. Green. I know he's has a success against the Steelers. I just, when I looked at the Steelers' pass stats, um, you know, every wide receiver, nobody over 61 yards. Uh, 8,500, I want no A.J. Green this week. Yeah, and I'm sticking to my stomach saying it, but for me, my fate is Antonio Brown. Ooh, that's good. You're just mad because he beat you last week. No, but see, I don't do that week <laughs> I'm to week. Kidding. I, I got to have a new, but yeah, the, it's my one kryptonite is um, I usually fade Antonio Brown more than most, and usually that doesn't work out too well. So learn from my mistakes, people. At, uh, at tight end, you know, my top overall play is Gronk. I think we talked about it earlier. He's, he's a huge strategy conversation this week. I think that, um, you know, your lineup starts with whether you play Gronk or not, but he's got to be the top overall play. Uh, with Travis Kelsey playing the Thursday night game against the Raiders, he's not on the slate. Um, as, a, as far as mid-range, I like Delaney Walker, and I also like Nick O'Leary and George Kittle as my chief guys. Yeah, my top overall play is Delaney Walker. I think he eats in this game. I think he's, uh, you know, reasonably priced. My mid-range and cheap, mid-range cheap-ish plays are Kyle Rudolph and, and George Kittle. I really like them to be, you know, sec- uh, safety, security blankets, whatever type of blanket you want to use uh, in the in their respective matchups. Um, I don't really have a tight end fade. Um, you know, I would consider perhaps a Gronk fade if you know if if I don't have them on two of my three teams. I guess you could call that a Gronk fade, but it's a really tough spot. And then sneaky low percentage play, Jimmy Graham against the Giants because somebody needs to do something against the Giants. Yeah, the more we talk, I kind of like your Kyle Rudolph play. I think that uh, they really kind of use him in that role with when Stephon Diggs doesn't play. I think he could slide through at a really low percentage this week, and a lot of people are going to play Delaney Walker. A lot of people are play up for Gronk. Um, I think that Rudolph play could be uh, could be really nice. I think you've I think you've sold me on that one, which uh, which doesn't happen very often. I don't usually get sold very often. I'm sold on. No, that you one. don't. Yeah, I very, like that. Very very stubborn man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, about defenses? Defense. My top overall play this week is the Vikings. I really like that. Uh, like that one at the price. My cheaper plays would be Pittsburgh and New Orleans. For me, uh, it's Minnesota. Uh, I like New Orleans and Pittsburgh as well. They're my two. Uh, I don't want to call them sneaky, but lower percentage plays cheaper play looking at Miami uh, at home against the Jets and as far as a fade if I really had to go there it'd be Seattle only because they are so expensive and on the road what about uh, what about Buffalo at home if uh, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing or if Jameis Winston's playing with kind of a kind of a bum arm absolutely in play a really good price uh, you know obviously prefer them at home uh, they do have six interceptions in their last three games so that's a little something probably do for a nice little uh, pick six here Anybody else uh, you want to talk about? I managed to go the whole podcast without spoiling the baseball baseball game for you this time. Oh, nice. Excellent. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Um, of course. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, just one thing I wanted to add, if uh, just to sort of close it up. Um, 
a very interesting, fun little thing that I do is um, keep a, maybe a lineup or two, maybe just for like a cheap, you know, three, five dollar GPP um, open and don't touch it. Don't make any moves until Sunday morning and just sort of, you know, at least for me, a lot of times I just sort of get this clarity where, you know, everything sort of comes together and I'm not working on lineups that I've been tweaking all week and I can maybe put together a different type of stack or, you know, or a different type of thing of exposure that finally all comes to me on Sunday morning. So just a little tip. You want to throw a few extra dollars in there. Never know. Might end up being your best lineup of the day. Yeah. And I think the key part of that is that you keep that lineup open so you don't tweak your other lineups. So you don't, you don't move away from a winning lineup on Sunday morning, which is always important. That's all I got on this fine uh, week seven afternoon. Beautiful. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire DFS football podcast for week seven, sponsored by FanDuel. Again, if you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, hit us up with any questions, anything as we get closer to the games on Sunday. I am at Scott Jenstead. Jenstead is J-E-N-S-T-A-D. And Vlad is at RotoGut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. Other than that, hope everybody has a fantastic week seven, and we'll talk to you next week.